0: people deluded i'm back again good morning i hope everybody is doing well and safe welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast thank you very much for tuning in if it's your first time make sure you hit all the necessary notification buttons because this is your one stop for that real football chat now obviously this is the last deluded podcast before the interval in the premier league or world football you know as we pause for an international break period And the Premier League hasn't disappointed since it started. It didn't disappoint this weekend, as you all saw. Um, Let's just kick straight into the Premier League action, really and truly. You saw Chelsea run run riot, sorry, and win four goals to nil against Crystal Palace. You know, few men are going to be happier than Frank Lampard, but I get... I I, I doubt, undoubtedly get the vibe that Ben Chilwell probably does. You know, he's the 19th different player to score in the Premier League for Chelsea under Frank Lampard. Um, it was his 100th Premier League appearance generally. It was his Chelsea Premier League debut and he capped it off, you know, with a goal and an assist. And that's always brilliant. I'm not going to lie. I was expecting a lot more from Crystal Palace and they were quite toothless. They were quite slow and whatnot. And they engineered a lot of errors, you know. Jorginho stepped up for two penalties Sacco and, and young Mitchell didn't have the best of games there was a little 20 minute spell when I thought Crystal Palace were in it but it is what it is you know they just failed to do the business since the start of last season Crystal Palace have failed to score in the first half in any of the 30 different Premier League games which is more so than any other side in the division so this could tell you that there is problems in relation to Crystal Palace and it's quite, it's quite sad man because I like Crystal Palace as a football club I like their manager in roy Hodgson, but they just weren't at it and for chelsea it is what it is it was a bit of drama seeing tammy abraham desperate to get on the score sheet and trying to take a penny off to De- but it is what it is they ran riot you know Jorginho scored two penalties he's linked with a move to arsenal um zuma got on the score sheet as well like i said the headlines goes for Chilwell, but it was a completely dominating performance from chelsea you know the stats don't lie four nil 17 shots six on target Palace had four shots, none on target, 29% possession to 71% of Chelsea's passes. Palace made 280 to 707 by Chelsea. And considering, you know, Crystal Palace did very well against Manchester United, I'm sure they won't be happy about what happened. Now, it is what it is. Chelsea will go marching on, you know. Chelsea will take that, you know. Like I said, clean sheet, which Chelsea don't keep too much of those. They're laughing Everton. Now it's been a bit of a dangerous Premier League or dangerous start. I don't think any team can be completely happy with their transfer targets or what they've brought in or got rid of. And also, you know, their style and whatnot, because you've seen the madness. But Everton have hit it off very quickly. You know, Allen, Decore, James Rodriguez, in particular, they've hit it well. Another day, another Calvert-Lewin header, Um, you know. Awobi came off, came on the, came on off the bench for Richarlison, who suffered an injury, got an assist. You know, it's good, it's good, it's going good for Everton fans and Carlo Ancelotti's men, and you know, you never know. I don't want to go as, as far as to say they could do a Leicester, but you know, it doesn't look like anybody wants to run away with this Premier League. Teams that are slapping one team ne- one week are getting slapped the other, like you saw with Leicester. Um, it's crazy. Everton, you know, Everton are a team that always makes signings that gets people talking, whether they're world-class or not. With the signings they've brought in and the manager, you're looking at Everton to do what Leicester have done last season in complicating the top four. And it's still early days. We've only played four games. There's another 34 Premier League games during this year. So there's a lot of twists and turns. But so far, so good. They're winning games. You know, they, they conceded two sloppy goals. Mupay got on the score sheet, Um from a Brighton perspective, they were making some silly passes, like Tossart is playing square passes and, and you can't complain when you do things like that, man. You know, silly goals silly goals to concede. For James, he's laughing. He's been involved in five goals in two Premier League games, people, and very much showing to be a success. Like I said, he's been directly involved in five goals in, in two Premier League games, but he's been involved in five goals in five games for Everton across all competitions with two goals and three assists. That's two more than he managed in 14 appearances for Real Madrid last season one goal, two assists, so it's funny what people can do when they feel important, when they're in a side that breeds creativity, you heard all the talk of James Rodriguez, he's going to be a flop, he's going to be this and that, there's undoubtedly going to be moments where he has bad games and has poor periods, but you know, he was going to be a success in the Premier League and, you know, the longer he keeps it up, you know, he's at the forefront, Everton are building a lovely squad, it seems like Seamus Coleman is, I won't go as far to say going back to that form a couple of years ago where he was linked with couple clubs, but he looks good again, Dijoné on at left back very good you know you've got Rich Arleson, you've got Calvert-Lewin developing you've got the free midfield signings they've made you know they've got some good signings you know Yerry Mina I, I'm not even focusing on him he had a very good game defensively and obviously managed to get a goal Um, his goal for Everton assisted by James Rodriguez was the first goal in Premier League history to be scored and assisted by a Colombian so I'm sure Colombia went wild I'm sure that's what the Everton fans want to see and I'm sure that's a good moment for both the players people Um. James Rodriguez obviously scored two goals in this game and it was for the first time it was a league game for the first time which he's done that since March 2019 when he scored a hat trick for Bayern Munich against Manns. Um for Calvert Lewin he scored in all four Premier League games this season, which he's got six goals. He's the first English player to score in four successive games for club since Francis Jeffers in 2000, which was August slash September. And with that, I'm pretty sure Calvert Lewin is in the England squad and well deserved. I'm sh- one one negative uh, of that Everton side will be there'll be a question when you question the centre halves who are playing well, but there's therefore questions over Pickford he's dropping clangers week in week out. He is not good enough for, for Everton if they want to move forward, in my opinion, and for England, you know, I know Dean Henderson and these guys haven't been exposed to too much football this season and haven't been exposed to being number one at a, at a top club like that. But I I don't you can't get anywhere. Pickford has shown no no sort of improvement in making these clangers his concentration is poor His handling is suspect you know he can't there's no way he breeds confidence to the rest of the Everton back five including him and it's no coincidence he's made more errors leading to go in the Premier League since August 2017 than any other keeper which stays at 11 azmir Begovic is at 10 Dubradkar is at 9 and Hugo Luiz creates the list at completes the list apologies with 8 um, so I mean that says it that says it all, and I'm sure you know I'm seeing Martinez go for 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 twenty odd million to Aston Villa and playing well, you know how how many better keepers are there than Pickford? How many keepers you know should be costing more than Pickford? Now let's move on to the games that were really crazy and few people predicted Spurs versus Manchester United six goals to one. Apologies while I move my laptop, people, you're about to hear a noise. Um, absolute joke, absolute joke absolutely ridiculous absolute joke nobody could have saw that and that's the gift of the Premier League Premier League for entertainment value is undoubtedly the best you know Spurs ran right the only thing Spurs did wrong you know Davison Sanchez had a good game he reacted very well from his mistake when he conceded the penalty you know Bruno Fernandes carries on his statistics but that's the only thing that was right at United now seeing United lose games if not for the scoreline in this fashion. For me, that is a game where you sack the manager. That is a game where you question the board. That is a game where, you, where regardless of talking about the red card or talking about management, the players have got to look at it. Because what I saw, I'm not a Man United fan. But that was nowhere near the standard of Man United. You know, win, lose or draw, you play the same way. You go down fighting. It looked like a bag of individuals. Shaw is all over the place, and Shaw, you know, if I if if I was Lucas Moore, if that was someone a bit more naughtier, probably should have smashed Shaw. Shaw should have been sent off for that nasty challenge. You know, he's showing no intent to go for the ball. And big up Oli for showing clear con- um, discontent at that. You know. Eric Bailly, I heard Man United fans say he's the best in the Premier League at a point and they'll act shameless and say they didn't, you know, and all fans do that but he's giving them nothing, what is Bailly doing, you know, It's for, for one of those goals he's playing it across his goal line, he is a fire hazard, United can't progress with people like that within your team, Harry Maguire signed for 80 million, he's tackling his own guys, he's all over the place, Pogba conceded a penalty, and for one of the goals, him and Shaw switched off. You know, Martial got completely conned by Lemina, who should have been sent off. But it's good gamesmanship. You know that Lemina does that when Arsenal play. Lemina, them sort of man there, they're a manager's dream when you've got them you know, they 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 see you next Tuesdays, the acronyms, when you're playing against them, you hate them, but when you're playing for them, it's lovely, now, I don't know how VAR didn't catch that, and how he shouldn't have been sent off, and of course, you don't want to see that, but Martial's got to be a bit smarter, you know, I don't advocate it, but he probably should have dived to the floor like Lemayne, Lemayne was just on that field to rattle, and he did very well in his 45 minutes, and Jose Mourinho did very well to take him off, because, you know, I think he could have got a red card, I still think Spurs would have won, but instead of 6-1, could it have been 6-3 or some nonsense like that Spurs could have achieved history they could have scored double the scoreline Son could have had a hat trick you know Kane was on fire I listen you have to applaud um, Spurs first and foremost ruthless Four goals in the first half, absolutely ruthless. You've seen games that's gone that way where it's only one nil, it's only two one. It doesn't end the same. Spurs were ruthless. I feel they tactically outdone. I feel the lineup was neg- Jose's class is negative a lot, but the lineup was positive. The players played positive. I felt away from the tactics and praising Jose, which he clearly done a number, even with playing down. You know, is my team gonna be fit? Players have got to take responsibility. Kane wanted to be a difference maker. Son wanted to be a difference maker. The defenders wanted to put in a good show. And it was a fantastic team performance at a ground where Spurs don't travel too well. And as an Arsenal fan, I'm obviously jealous because it's Spurs. And I'm obviously even more jealous because the last time we won there in the league was 2016. It was a shambles, people. Like I said, United are meant to win, lose or draw together as a collective. They were down as a bunch of individuals. I've seen my team, AFC Edmonton, lose like that this season and play like that. They looked like a Sunday League team, you know. It's a shambles. It's a shambles. And I know there was no fans in the ground. That's them get ground games where i got to see a day's salary going to, going to charity or going to something for the fans or something. The players got to do it. Fan, The players shouldn't get a day off. I know it's international break, but you should all be doing doggy laps. Like Everett said, certain people around Man United need some slaps. Obviously, undoubtedly, transfers are a big thing, you know. I'm sure when you look at the other teams expected to make a, t- a, a shout at the top four, I don't think Arsenal are quite there, but we've got a manager to believe in. You know, Spurs... You can't get on to Daniel Levy. He's done superb business. seniors didn't play, but they've got that striker. Bale's calling, and they've got other options. City and Liverpool, despite the fact they drop points, are going to be up there. Chelsea's got question marks. For me, they're up there. Spurs, like most teams, haven't been perfect, you know, even against, you know, like, right, cool. You can't say they weren't perfect against United, but they haven't looked... Nobody in this league has looked convincing from start to finish. But when you look at United, there's not a manager to believe in. They ain't done good business. You know, they ain't got a good squad like that. That apart from the names again they want they got in the top four and no one gave them a chance last year but they are probably the only team looking at it that they're not involved and in. transfers is only going to solve half, half of it clearly they need a center half clearly they need better options clearly they need a better winger yeah but the manager, there's nothing to believe in with that manager. It looked like a bunch of individuals. The board have got away with a lot. And you can't complain when you do several things in the wrong way and it ends up like this, you know. But I don't want to sp- focus on United. I want to give credit to Spurs because man to a man, every man on that field done well, you know. Davidson reacted very well from his mistake. They played well. They played superb and they deserved their points. It's as it's simple as that, really. You know, it's a shocker. I, I wanted to see six or seven because it's always fun um, Seeing Man United lose as well as Spurs, you know, it was a win-win for me. The statistics don't lie. Jose Mourinho's Spurs side have equaled the biggest ever margin of victory for a manager versus a former club in the Premier League. And the biggest since Brendan Rodgers destroyed Swansea 5-0 in, in February of 2013. Harry Kane has been directly involved in nine goals in the Premier League this season, three goals and six assists. Only Thierry Henry in 0-5 has had a hand in more in opening in four opening games of the campaign in which Omri had 10. Manchester United have conceded six goals in a Premier League game for the third time with each coming in October, which is quite scary. They did it in 96 against Southampton. It happened in 2011, as I'm sure you all remember, against Manchester City. And obviously Spurs is still fresh in the mind. Manchester United are the seventh side in Premier League history to concede a penalty in three successive home games and the first time since Arsenal in December 2016. Jose Mourinho is the first manager to face a side. He's formerly, fa- formerly managed apologies in the Premier League away from home and scored five goals since Oligo Le Solskjaer versus Cardiff in December 2018. Sun-Hu Min, who has been great and you thought was going to miss a, a bit of game time, has been directly involved in 10 goals in his last four games in the competition. Three assists, seven goals, and he's been quite bright that was also the earliest man united have conceded two goals in a premier league game since october 2015 against arsenal which also happened in 7 minutes and it was almost exactly 5 years to the day yesterday um kane has made more assists in the premier league this season than any other player while he's also made more in a single campaign once in his previous in his previous previously in his career so he's got which was seven, so he's showing he's completing more. And it was from a tactical point of view, we could be here. I feel the Spurs' fullbacks, you know, I haven't mentioned Aurier. Aurier was superb, you know, as was Regulon, um, and Don Bile gave a lot. I feel all the midfield Hoiberg was passing it forward. I think Kane did well to drop forward. I think Son, you know, fant- the got best goal for me for both reasons was, was um Son's goal where Kane took the quick free kick from a United perspective, because that's shocking. Players are out of position, even players that are not, you know you should know. Get over that free kick. Don't allow them to take take it quickly. Spurs Spurs have a very intelligent striker in Kane, and he's always thinking. He takes it quickly. People are in no man's land. You never want Son in them sort of positions near your own team. And nine times out of ten, he scores. The only they were tactically bullied. They were outclassed player for player, and they imploded. Manchester United imploded. People. They are the reasons they lost that yesterday. You know. You can talk about managerial stuff, mistakes, red cards. These are all equal factors people but what I saw from Manchester United players away from just the scoreline because this happened in 2011 was the worst you know players were sinking players heads were down some men were just rattled some man were on a fighting thing like M- McTominay I don't know why he came on he's just on a passionate thing you know Oli Gullis you've got to be a special sort of manager to you know to try and stop conceding goals bring on defensive changes and still concede goals it, it's ridiculous but the players I saw players fighting for themselves I saw players that just wanted the ground to eat up they're not Man United players. Some players have all the ability in the world in that squad, but they're not Man United players. And I think fans, if you didn't, because I do think Man United fans Put their team or have this expectation of their team, which is warped from reality. This is this is this is as realistic as it gets. People, it's as simple as that, you know. And I'm, I'm I'm upset for fans, you know, Man United fans. Banter aside, it's ridiculous, you know. You want there's no there's no divine rights in the league, you know. But that performance, forget the scoreline. As difficult as it is to do that, that performance, the manner in which they lost, the mistake upon mistake, it's atrocious. A bag of pretenders. That Man United shirt is way too heavy for several players because the mistakes I was seeing. The consistent mistakes, they're not being in position Silly fouls, just complete head loss It was ridiculous They were tactically out-bullied, they were tactically bullied And these are all factors, you know, Jose showed his class It is what it is The only positive if you're looking for one is Another day, another Bruno Fernandes penalty Fernandes has scored the earliest penalty in a Premier League match Since Sergio Aguero against Newcastle in 2015 Bruno's was 1 minute and 37 seconds Aguero's was 1 minute and 12 seconds Jose was in classic form after the game. He said, I didn't watch it, maybe I will later. If someone can cry about VAR decisions, it is Tottenham. And if someone cannot cry about VAR, it is Manchester United for sure. I don't know. The only thing I know is we played extremely well. I told my players that a good result here would be to win. And we did that. So that's quality from from Jose. For Oli, you know, he said um, the loss was one of the worst in the club's history. As you lot know, he said it's my second language. So it's very difficult to put into words. It's a horrible feeling. The worst day I've had as a Manchester United manager and a player. I've been part of big defeats before and we've bounced back. So we've just got to let the boys go on international duty, find their mojo themselves and others that are going to stay here. We've got to help them. The players that are not going to international bait, they should be into charactering and doing doggy runs, watching mad analysis and doing mad things. I do share his thoughts, you know, for Pogba, go off and think about France, come back, refresh. Definitely for Harry Maguire, not that his form warrants being in the England team, but, you know, he's had some off-field problems. This season, he's not got going. As A lot of the United people I speak to, you know, they say that's that's, and I know United fans are always on Maguire's back, but they say that's convincingly one of his worst performances in a Manchester United shirt. Um, you know you've got several players that could do without it. Obviously, Green was not going off for England, and he had he wasn't really at fault yesterday. But just a chance for him as being part of that mess to clear their minds. United have to forgive themselves because the reality is, yeah, the best thing that could have happened to United is that it helps it it spurs their play their managerial people to to act in the market. But it's also, like I said, there's 34 games left. You know, United can still get top four and all of these things. And this is just simply a mark on the season and an L. This happens to me and football manager all the time. Like, I played football manager last night. I'm top, of, I'm top of the league. I lost 5-1 to Watford. I didn't even rotate the side. That's just an L. You know, that's that's what it can be. You know, United players, they have to use this incidence and say, yo, listen, if I thought I was on a level I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm going to work 10 times harder. or this is going to happen because you've got that. You've got an iffy performance against Brighton. Um where VAR um, done a thing for you. You know, you weren't at it against Crystal Palace, let's be 100% honest. You still very much look top-heavy. Oli went on to say, um, sometimes you make mistakes, that's part of life. We made too many mistakes in one game of football, and that shows in the result against a very good football team. They are full of quality, and we got punished almost every time we made a mistake. If it's a different shape mentality, I don't know, but it will be different. We can't accept performances like this. I hold my hands up. I'm in charge and I'm responsible for this. And to be fair, you know, any other manager or any other situation, Oli Golasocial might not have a job by the time this podcast comes out. So it is what it is. We've spent too long on that game, people. And, you know, if we, thought us, if we thought, you know, this game in relation to Man United and Spurs was going to be the highlight of the week, in many ways it was. But Villa said, you know what? I right, Spurs, I see you. I'm going to go and pull a shocker. Ollie Watkins. They say death comes in threes. Not that that's anything nice to say. Goals also come in threes. Goals are like buses. You don't get one, you get two, and he got three. You know, school days, I remember once when we all finished school, we saw three, three, two, nines go past our bus stop in Winchmore Hill, and that was quite hell. Um, Ollie Watkins scored the perfect hat-trick. Left foot, right foot, header. And he even said he should have scored more. Before I get into it, I think it was interesting... What Ollie Watkins said in his post game, he said, you know, we fancied ourselves here with respect to Villa um with Liverpool, sorry. He said we knew we had to get in behind, you know, try and get at that high line. That shows you that teams the best way to beat City and Liverpool is not to sit back, have a goal, you know, run that risk. If you lose the game and they show their quality on the break, they show their quality. But games like this you get away. Obviously, Mo Salah got a brace and he keeps the score sheet going up. But it was a terrible performance, man. Van Dijk himself said, you know, they were second best to every ball, they were sloppy, they just weren't in. It, um, sort of thing. And Van Dijk had a sloppy game. Gomez got destroyed. Trent Alexander was a walking fire hazard. Robertson sank. Adrian, the probably the worst of the bunch. You know, to call him a Premier League keeper is is probably too nice of a word. You know, he's atrocious. And I know Liverpool have a fetish for poor keepers. Between Carrius, Mignolet, and Adrian, what a what a fatal threesome. That would be not in a funny thing. Um, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous, ridiculous what I'm seeing from Adrian. Now, he's not alone to blame, they conceded seven goals, you you got to keep it true, he's not alone, but undoubtedly he is at the bulk of the problems and... That's the thing with Liverpool, to get to that next level, they need quality depth, you know, it's difficult to find a a number two, certainly can't have a number two on the same level of Alisson, who might be out for four to six weeks, but the drop off in quality typically with Liverpool is crazy, you know, and it's highlighted, you know, maybe they needed to sign that Werner or another player to shake things up, because when one guy like Mane is not there, you can see it, Jota was decent, but it just weren't enough. Villa are laughing, you know, deflections and Villa was a constant theme in that game, I think Barclays one had a deflection, I think Grealish's first one did, John McGinn, I don't know how he got to claim that but it was a good goal and I like Villa, I think John McGinn would fit in well at Arsenal but I think Villa did their their game well, we can talk about how sloppy Liverpool were and there's a lot of truth in that but you've got to give credit, obviously because of the stature of the club, We're always going to focus on Liverpool, but, you know, it clearly looked like, of course Villa couldn't see this happening, but it looked like they had a game plan, it looked like they had a way of playing, and they implemented well, so Dean Smith, well done, you know, Grealish was quality, why Southgate doesn't truly rate him, I don't know, and hopefully he plays for England, because I think he's been called up. Like it's a perfect game, you know, Barkley could have had three, four goals on his debut, but it's lovely for him to get a debut goal. McGinn's getting back to his form prior to his injury. Grealish, obviously, local boy. You know, Watkins is always, you're always looking as a as a man, as a, as a striker of a new club to get your first goals, to get your hat-trick, you know, you're laughing and a perfect hat-trick at that and, you know, a hat-trick against the league champions. Again, It's down to Watkins to keep this up and maintain it, but it was a terrific game. It was a terrific game, and I think Liverpool have now conceded nine goals in the Premier League this season. With that, Liverpool are the first reigning English top-flight champions to ship seven goals in a league match since Arsenal against Sunderland in September 1953. For the first time in two clubs' history, both Man United and Liverpool have conceded six goals in a match on the same day. Oli Watkins is the 10th player to score a Premier League hat-trick against Liverpool and the first since Berbatov in September 2010. Mo Salah has now scored against 25 of the 26 sides he has appeared against in the Premier League, so he's got a ratio of 96%. Adrian has made five errors directly leading to opposition goals in his 21 appearances for Liverpool in all competitions. That's as many as counterpart Alisson has in 92, such, which shows the difference. But we can't just focus on Adrian as poor as he was. It was a poor collective team performance because apart from Mo Salah, who really played, could say they played anything fractionally well. Firmino was hiding. I know he was involved in a goal. Midfield, like Ronaldo, even, un- uncharacteristically playing sloppy passes. That whole back line got savaged by Aston Villa you know it was a poor game and I guess tactically you've got to look at Klopp as well not that I personally believe that but you know I can't always get at the players and if Liverpool turned around and won this by this score and I'd be praising Klopp till I'm blue in the face because I'm a big fan of his but either way Liverpool got smoked and to be fair all the Premier League teams you know it's been an interesting one because I don't think any team's been perfect Spurs have had a good start to the season but I'm sure if you look at it will. They will. Spurs fans will say to you. There's been even the, even when they ran riot against Southampton. You know Southampton were in it at a point. You know the draw against Newcastle. Even a couple of times in the Europa League rounds. You know they've had to turn it around. Arsenal definitely haven't been perfect, United haven't, Liverpool have been conceding some sloppy goals going back to the Leeds game and it shows you there's a lot of question marks within that back line personally, Chelsea still have teething problems, nobody's really looked amazing really and truly if if anything I'd say Everton looked close to what I'd expect from Carlo Ancelotti but you know nobody's had a pre, no one's had a good preseason. nobody's probably done all the business they wanted to do in the market so it's been a difficult one and I think Where the Premier League lacks in terms of quality, if I can say that, because there's some quality players, I think it provides great entertainment. Without a doubt, this is the best league in terms of entertainment. Leicester slapped Man City last week. They got slapped by West Ham. How many slappings have you seen? People are getting... Aston Villa were fighting relegation. They've just slapped in seven against Liverpool. I don't think it's the best league because obviously, I know we won the Champions League with Liverpool, if I can say we, counting us as an English team. But I think, you know, the best league, you know goes to whoever's holding the Champions League and even if it's just one opponent like right now I give it to the Germans to be fair with you I do think you know if you was to throw up Dortmund maybe so much Leipzig off last season Bayern Munich and maybe if there's one more German club I think they present problems to all English English clubs and I think you'll see that in Europe English clubs make things harder for themselves Lyon dumped out um, City as well and I don't know if it's a cultural thing I don't know it's because these teams are, are normally the dominant team, so they struggle in Europe where it's where it's a culture shock. I don't know, but it's been a fantastic week. It's been a better week for my team as well because Arsenal. We won two one against Sheffield United. Now going into that game, people, I said to you lot, I don't want this to be the game they they score their first goal, their season gets back on track, and whatnot. They had six prior defeats in the league and obviously we've now made it seven. The only problem I've got is that we didn't keep a clean sheet. We made it a bit nervy towards the end. It was a cheap goal for, to, to allow... Uh, McGoldrick to score, through McGoldrick's eyes, nothing wrong with his goal, he saw some space, he banged it, but Leno's off his line, we're not closing him down and it all comes from a clearance from Xhaka which made it a nervy 7 minutes plus added on time, you know, I do think the themes of the game carry on the same you know, we we struggle to create chances we don't shoot enough, it took 28 minutes to shoot, Um, I would like us to be on the front foot a bit more, break teams open a bit more, play a bit more sort of cutting edge passes because you know Sheffield United can't buy a win. They're low on confidence. I don't think we... Opened up their defence enough, you know. Asked questions, made them ask. Are they really communicating? And I felt we we gave them more confidence as it went on. When we took the first and second goals, you know, you saw a spring in our step. You saw one twos. You saw movement, and it's about how we start. You know, Pepe came off the bench and in a positive way stuck two middle fingers up at at, at his manager. You know, he's come on the pitch and within six minutes he's been involved. That's in a move that's helped Bakayo Saka get his first goal at the Emirates in the league, I believe. Um, and it's, a, it's a good week for Bakayo Saka you know he's been doing his thing for Arsenal he's going off to England with Maitland now so it was great after that it was obviously lovely for it was a lovely 19 pass move which led to Bellerin getting an assist for Pepe you know Pepe showed positives I think a big reason we, we look better is when that substitute happened and he changed things you know we went to what appeared a 4-4-2 Saka and Willian looked good as they kept alternating between who's going to be on the left wing and who's going to be in that 10 position Aubameyang was involved as he went back through the middle and obviously Pepe showed what he's on and then you saw players play better I'd also like to give special shout outs to Gabriel and Sabayos who I think were quality Bellerin had a better second half as well I think Eddie struggled you know you're going against a 3-5-2 a good drilled unit you're always going to struggle and obviously going against strong men I think it also highlight highlighted that Eddie is hold-up, not even hold-up play, link-up play, smart little one-twos, and, you know, the different sort of one-twos and dropping in deep. He needs to improve that. There's not too much to his game. Um, the highlight was obviously the 19-pass move for me. It was fantastic to turn it around in the second half, but again, it's the same common themes. Bunch of possession, not really enough tempo, enough invention, enough intention, you know, needing the second half and really just being toothless and game management because it was a cheap goal to concede and a nervy finish. That being said, I think Gabriel and Sabahs, like I said, were quality, as was Bakayo Saka, positive from Pepe off the bench. Um, I don't think we played poor. We get the winning result. Now, I did think there were some bookie decisions going against both, and I'm sure many people will look at the Gabriel underhit pass, which led to David Luiz tugging on his man early on. And I can't blame Chris Wilder because he's seen his team sent off for less, players sent off for less than that. And he him, him himself said It makes no odds what happened to Johnny Egan because that was a mistake. Mike Riley admitted that to me and Sergio Barham won last week was a mistake too. There was another one today. The ref has got to show courage. There are five officials now. I see it and all our staff and subs see it and five people don't. He's pulling his shirt. I'm not clutching at straws or gasping. Ollie's shirt has been clearly moved. All the stuff with VAR was supposed to be about making the right decisions. Is it the right decision? He's pulled his shirt when going through and the decision has got to be made. We're looking for small margins that might help us. I think Luis should have got sent off and I think it's clearer than John's at Villa. When it's not going your way, you have to look for something to go your way. So, again, he might be clutching at straws. And, again, I think that takes away from his team because while there was positives, they didn't do enough. Um, I can't blame Chris Wilder because VAR has been going against them and so is it for us. You know, Sandra Bird should have, you know, it was a contestous decision from him, you know, Yota handball. I don't know where v- VAR was yet last week. Uh, what last week Monday against Liverpool? You know we've been going, we've got it against us. Osmane as well. You know I know he got a yellow, but again, Spurs and, and the United game, Le Mena should have been sent off. It's gone against Spurs. It's gone for Spurs, and you're hoping the only thing you can hope as a manager or as a fan of both clubs or any club is that these things. balance themselves out for every decision that goes against Sheffield you get some but there should really be question marks over over Chris Wilder there was a lot of praise for myself included for how he's doing what he's done with Sheffield and you can't forget any of that but any other manager that's touched seven straight defeats that's struggling that's got one goal and no points on the board they're looking at their job down the barrel now if it wasn't the Yorkshire lad the prodigal son which is Chris Wilder it'll be question marks for me Chris Wilder's the man to turn it around and I hope he backs that up now, away from that, though, you saw Liverpool versus Manchester City. And again, the scoreline might not be the most glamorous of based on what we've seen this week. But for me, it was a great game. You know, it's the first time in, our life, in my life I looked at Pep Guardiola on the TV and he looked like he was bricking it, people. He looked like he genuinely for a point is a good result here, which it is. But City, they should have ran away with it. Um, He was bricking it. I don't know if he respected Bielsa too much. I don't know if it's down to Le- Leeds' tenacity. I think, you know, with the changes they made when Pandava came on, their fullback, their wingers and fullback stayed out wide and they presented issues. Pep Guardiola genuinely, people, looked scared that his team was going to lose points. And that you saw that with the defensive changes he made, they look shook. The only thing, you know, it was wasteful continuously from Mares with some of his shooting. Um, they just weren't good enough. Mendy is a, is a hazard and he's just not improving. And I've been saying this, he's the most overrated fullback in the league. He's very good going forward. I think he's a good player. There's just been no development and his best performances are in, you know, memes and whatnot. Um, he's not good enough right now to take them forward. and... Man City are in trouble because I've previously said Pep Guardiola has the biggest fight of his lives and he needs to play like such now in the grand scheme of things a point at Ellen Road away to Leeds is not the worst and Leeds are going to show that that is a a good point to have Leeds are are, you know the the energy that Leeds plays with is scary and as an Arsenal fan I hope the players well I don't know when we play Leeds that's something they consider Man City took the lead. They didn't build upon it, you know. They didn't build upon when Leeds were respecting them too much. And literally, like against Leicester, they just said, F it, because they, they were there, you know. Leicester were trying to do this counter-attacking thing and sitting back, and Rodgers and the player said, you know what, F it, man, forget that. Let's get in behind. Let's let's show what we can do as a team. And they smacked them. That second half looked like it was going away, and obviously, Pandava playing against his old team is going to play well, and I think he had a good cameo. But you saw Rodrigo, come on, and obviously he has scored his second Premier League goal and first since January 2011 so his first goal in nine years and 272 days people it's the second longest gap between two goals in the competition after Andy Johnson for nine years and 276 days Rodrigo is the first Spanish player to score for Leeds United in the Premier League and netted just three minutes and six seconds after coming on as a sub. So again, a bit of a masterclass from Bielsa and that's what you want to see from your subs. Raheem Sterling obviously scored a good goal. He put someone toast and then banged it and that's the only consolation. But since the start of last season, Raheem Sterling has scored more goals than any other Premier League player in all competitions, which stays at 34. For Newcastle, they defeated Burnley three goals to one. Callum Wilson just can't stop scoring. You know, he has scored four goals in four Premier League games for Newcastle. That's more than he netted in his final 28 in the competition um, for Bournemouth. Um, Obviously, Saint-Maximin got on a penalty spot, um, got a goal from the penalty spot, and it's a good, well worth three points. And Wilson, like I said, when you're a new striker, you always want to score, and there will be a drought there. He's not going to... Like with him, Lewin, it's not sustainable over the course of the season. There will be a couple of weeks without scoring. But four from four, basically, you know, it looks good, you know. With that being said, you know, he's the first player to score as many goals in his first four appearances for Newcastle since Les Ferdinand in 95-98. You know, Newcastle love their strikers. There's a long way to go before Callum Wilson could be mentioned with the long list of iconic number nines. But so far, so good. And it's always nice to have a little bit of history or a little bit of statistics attached to your name, especially when you've got someone like Les Ferdinand there. So it is what it is. Now... Newcastle don't shoot enough as a team and somehow they managed to score without too many shots against Spurs and they managed it, you know, they managed to 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 do it again. They've scored with all four of their shots on target so far in the Premier League this season, which is crazy. Southampton won two goals to nil against West Brom. Romeo hardly scores, but again, when these sort of man, when they score, it's a good goal, and it was a good finish from him. He's not in the opposition's area too much, but it was a good finish. Um I can't remember the name of the other Southampton lad, but it was a lovely little Cruyff turn and finish from him to get things started. Um, You know, I feel sorry for Sam Johnson. He made a couple of big saves, but at the end of the day, he's conceded two goals. And he's only the second goalkeeper to concede 13 plus goals in his first four Premier League games. Romero has ended a run of 43 games without a goal in the Premier League. Southampton's last 18 Premier League games against promoted sides has seen them have a run of five consecutive draws, five consecutive defeats, and now eight consecutive winning streaks. So it's quite crazy. Like I was talking about, the beauty of the Prem is that one team can get smacked and they'll go and get smacked the next week. You know, Leicester smacked up Man City and they got put to the swords against West Ham. You know, for nows. Bowen, who I think's having a good season, Mikel Antonio's always going to chip him with a goal. They put them to the sword. Leicester failed to record a shot on target in a Premier League home game for just the third occasion since 2003-04. That previously happened in December 2019 against Liverpool, and obviously in 2017 November times against Man City, and now West Ham can attribute that. You know, Cresswell, after getting no assists in thirty in his previous thirty-six Premier League appearances, provided two against Leicester, and that's the first time he's assisted twice in a top-flight game in his hundredth and ninety-second appearance. Mika Antonio loves a header, and no player has scored more headed goals in the Premier League since he made his debut in the competition five years ago in September 2015. West Ham have won just four of their twenty-three away Premier League games under David Moyes. Um, although one of those was a two-nil win at Leicester in 2018, so that was a good omen. And to round up the Premier League, you obviously saw Wolves defeat Fulham one goals to nil, and with that full uh, courtesy of a Pedro Neto goal. And with that being said, Fulham have conceded 11 goals from their first f- opening four Premier League games in 2020-21, the most they've shipped after opening four games of any league campaign since 1960-61. Um, quickly looking just to make sure I didn't forget anything, people. I don't think I forgot any games out. So like I said, a quick recap. Villa 7-2 against Liverpool. United lost 6-1 against Spurs. Arsenal claimed 2-1 against Sheffield. A 1-0 victory for Wolves against Fulham. Southampton defeated West Brom two goals to nil. It was a 3-0 whitewash in the West Ham versus Leicester game. Newcastle three goals to one against Burnley. It was a 1-0 draw between Leeds United and Man City. Chelsea won four goals to nil against Palace, and Everton won four goals to two against Brighton. And to make, just a let's look at the Premier League table, people. You've got Everton top with 12 points, four wins from four. You've got Aston Villa with nine, three wins from three. Um, You've got, you've got Leicester, despite that heavy defeat of third. Hey, if the season ends today, I don't mind. Liverpool, Arsenal are fourth, you know. Nine points, three wins from four. We lost to the league champions, even though I think we shot ourselves in the foot. I'm sure most people would have taken that. You've got Liverpool in fifth. You've got Spurs in sixth. You've got Chelsea in seventh. You've got Leeds at eighth. Ninth with Newcastle. Tenth with West Ham. Eleventh with Southampton. Palace sit 12th. Wolves sit behind them in 13th. You know, you never thought you'd see this, but Man City are 14th, people, with just four points from four games. Well, three games, apologies, people, which is crazy. Man United sits 16th. I've missed out someone. Above them in 15th place is Brighton. 17th place, West Bromwich Albion. And the bottom three... 18th Burnley 19th Sheffield United and Fulham and I don't know who is going to go down it's early days but the only team I can look at to genuinely go down for me would be Fulham they don't look at the pace of it I think West Brom will probably go down Sheffield United if they don't continue if they continue this poor form even though I think there's positives to take from our game they will be in with a shout I'm not a big fan of Burnley, so I would like Burnley to go down. I'm not going to lie to you. I was hoping they went down last season, but it is what it is for the Premier League. And we'll revisit that after the international break. Now, in other news, I'm sure you all saw a bit of controversy in relation to Le and Martial. And Soonis was quite critical. And he said, and I remember watching and I thought, you know what? I get what he means, but the way he said it in this society, you can see how there could be Ofsted complaints and whatnot. And Sky had to finger it. Sky were forced to apologize after Graham Soonish used a racial stereotype to criticize Tottenham attacker Eric Lemayna. He said, It's pathetic, it's very Latin. if one goes, both have to go. It's pathetic. This is what the English game is about. We, the Brits, do it differently. I've played in a Latin country. I've worked in Latin countries. I know how they see the game. Le Mena will sleep well tonight, thinking he has done a great piece of work for his team. And that's not us. Now, again, I get how it could be a racial stereotype because, again, people could say many things about the British game. Um, I don't think his choice of words were right but I don't I get what he means because again you look at Simeone's Atletico we knew playing them they're going to contest every decision they're going to try and con the ref that is something within the game in the same way in the British game we fly into mad tackles and we see running around for the sake of running around so I see where he's getting that you know they can be very um not that I'm agreeing with it but you do you can see you do see South American players try to get people sent off quite a lot and can be quite overreactive but that's no different you've seen British players do the same thing um so I don't think he should necessarily be killed for that, but I get the undertones, people, because, again, the same stereotype could apply to black players, white players, English players, African players, South American players, European players, etcetera people. So I get it. Um, maybe just be a bit smarter. Either way, I can't lie. I like, pardon my language, bastards in my team, so I like to see that from Lemayne. I'll be doing that stuff on Sunday, on, on every Sunday, people, in Sunday League, not whether it's right or wrong. So, yeah, man, Sky have to face the music for that one. Juventus could be handed three points in weird circumstances after they took to the field against Napoli on Sunday, despite the absence of their opponents. Napoli were black blocked, sorry, I'll say blacklisted, blocked from making the journey to Turin by the local health authorities after two of their players. Irith Elmas, who was linked with Arsenal, and Peter Zelinski Zin- Zin- tested positive for COVID-19 along with a member of staff. The game was officially cancelled 45 minutes after kick-off by the ref to bring the curtain down on a strange saga um, that will be contested. And, uh, you know, it's been a bit weird in Italy because you've got you know, a bit differently, but registrational issues with Roma led to them throwing three points away. So we'll see what happens. Apparently, Spurs are trialling COVID nineteen, a new COVID-19 test to speed up results. As football continues its quest to create a COVID-secure environment for players, staff and supporters, the Athletic understands Tottenham Hotspur have been trialling a test at their training ground that produces almost instant results and is given a real cause for encouragement. Spurs have been running the experiment over the past month alongside the Premier League official testing procedure To, to and, and sources say it has virtually returned um, reported back identical readings apparently it went on to say the test was created by an israeli company nanoscent sent i believe um, and can detect the virus in just 30 seconds at a reliability rate of around 85 percent um, that is below the stated 98.9 sorry 98.8 accuracy of the premier league testing um, but those results take around 24 hours to be returned from the laboratories um, you know, there is job cuts. Job cuts are a thing. And apparently Everton are streamlining their scouting operations, according to The Athletic. A number of, of employees have been asked to reapply for their positions. And that stretches as far as senior scout Jamie Hoyland. Apparently, Everton's recruitment led in Italy by Carlos Giamcomozzi was let go on Friday. Um, and he apparently he's quite highly rated within the industry. Um, app- apparently, Portuguese scout Ricardo Fredrigo. Figurito, I can't say his name, apologies. He was brought in by former manager Marco Silva and his thingy hasn't been renewed. Um, Everton scouts in Germany have been left as well and apparently one of their German scouts has found a job at Monaco. Apparently international scouts have not been given the chance to reapply for jobs after being released when their contracts expired at the end of September. However, will be replaced in some capacity. According, pardon me, according to The Athletic, the club would be more, with, more secure with scouting staff in England after pardon me, after the restructure. Apparently, the COVID bubble is a bit beginning to affect youth teams' fitness. Apparently, there's a simmering frustration around some at Premier League academy level as the first team bubble begins to affect the fitness of youth players. Training schedules for under 21s are being altered to fit around senior sessions so that the risk of COVID-19 contamination is kept at a minimum with at least one club requiring youth players to turn up in the evening. Some clubs are even limiting the time academy players have at the training ground by still requiring teams to complete competitive fixtures and sources allege this has led to a risk in soft tissue injuries Young players are also on occasions being kept out of club canteens to ensure there is no possible spread of the virus. Moving away from that, and long-lasting popular figure that played the Gunnosaurus, Jerry key I can't say his name, apparently has been let go from his role. The Gunnosaurus mascot will still continue, but it won't be him. He is apparently worked at the club both as a junior gunner both within the junior gunners and travel club department and has been attending games since 1963 he even missed his brother's wedding to attend a home game and now he'll no longer be at the club and covid has covid and cost effective measures and restructuring has led to a lot of people at the same time you know the club owe him nothing he never never told him to not go to his family's thing and whatnot but it's this sort of loyalty you can't buy these are the sort of Heartbeats I describe as a football club. When I say you got to fight for the people that make that you don't know about at the club, is him. It's people like that. You know that's commitment for me. He's been. You know I don't agree with it, but he's missed his. He's missed his family's wedding moments to to for this club. So to see someone like that, to see anybody lose their role in those circumstances, is quite upsetting, man. So we have to see what happens and what develops. As you lot know, it's deadline day, people. So I'm not going to bore you lot with all the rumours. I'll do some content on my YouTube channel when we see more confirmation and the window closes. Um, Arsenal need to sign a centre mid, people. Um, we heard Aroa, we heard Parte, we heard Coutinho... Now I'm hearing Jorginho loans, it's a Mazeline. Now I'm going to just have to accept Joel Willock and Emil Smith-Rowe as the them. I've got a lot of time for Emil Smith-Rowe, to be fair. Um, but in relation to news and whatnot, apparently Arsenal are still in for Jorginho or trying to get him on loan. Gwendolzy looks set to join Hertha Berlin on loan. Apparently he is set to make a medical right now at 9am German time. Um, and apparently there's no option to buy so we'll have to see what happens. And he's been linked with everybody, you know. He's been linked with everyone from PSG to Juventus to Atletico to Marseille. And he's going here for Berlin, which ironically, they've been linked with Jeffrey and Adelaide. And they did try to buy Xhaka. So let's see what happens in that regards with him. And, you know, it it, it just goes away from what Arteta was saying about the slate is clean. He was gassing. Um, apparently, Moise Akeem will spend the rest of the 2020 season on loan at PSG. Um. So, and apparently, there's no buy. There's no obligation to buy for him. So that's a good move. He'll be playing Champions League football, and you know he must really not be in Carlo Ancelotti's plans. So he's found a move for himself, really. Apparently, Spurs are to make one final effort to sign Inter Milan's 25-year-old defender Milan Skriniar, which would cap off a fantastic. Summer for Spurs. I know Levy is always criticised, and even though I'm not a Spurs fan, I'm critical, and I know all clubs' boards who don't act. But you can't get onto him because he's done some fantastic business with their six editions so far. Ronald Koeman is refusing to rule out Osman Dembele leaving on deadline day, and Leon's Gaffer Leon's um. Was it? Juninho, I think he's that director, has confirmed that Depay has an agreement with Barcelona and could leave today. While that has knock on effect, is because if they get Depay, I don't agree with it, but that could free up Dembele, who Dembele could join Man United in, on loan or whatever circumstances. Arsenal and Part A seems to not be happening because apparently the Mirror have gone on to say we're still not prepared to meet the 50 45 buyout clause. And considering uh, Terreira is just uh, an I dotted and a T cross from being an official athletical player, Gwendolzzi's gone, you know. I don't know what to say. Where is the midfield? Where is the midfielders? Where is the midfielder? You know, I'll shut my mouth until deadline day today, but it's Gaze and, you know, the club, even Arteta, you only have yourselves to blame if you don't bring people in. Southampton have made an inqu- inquiry to loan Manchester United and England under twenty fullback Brendan Williams. Um, Juventus are interested in signing Emerson on loan from Chelsea. Taddebo could be on his way out of Barcelona. Apparently he would prefer a lone move and apparently the 20-year-old's been linked with Fulham and Everton. Fulham have also been linked with Chambers, West Ham have also been linked with Chambers, so they're going to be a couple centre-half movements. Sheffield United already signed one striker, but apparently they're set to beat West Bromwich Albion to the siding of 25-year-old Mets and Senegal forward Diallo. He's a decent striker, he was linked with Spurs last January, he can work the channels, he's quick, he's aggressive. He actually gave William Saliba, he tore him out a new one when Mets played St Etienne. Um, when I can remember, that's the game I always use in, as an example for um, when speaking about Saliba's time at St Etienne and the need to develop. You lot all know Callum hudson odoi keeps being linked with Bayern Munich. Whether it happens, it will, it will, it will, I don't know. But Kicker, a German publication, has said Bayern Munich will turn their attention to Douglas Costa and bring him in. Apparently, a loan move for Rüdiger to AC Milan is all but done. Um, apparently, Snodgrass is, is, is thought to be on the verge of going to Celtic. Um, Josh Collin is, is said to be going to Anderlech. um Kondogbia is, set, is subject to a €25 million Euro bid from an unnamed English club. I bet it was Arsenal because we need someone. I'm just I'm just guessing. Apparently, Justin Cliver is heading to Leipzig on a season-long loan, another one that was linked with Arsenal. According to Goal, PSG have made a loan bid for Porto and Portuguese defensive midfielder Danilo. Apparently where the Bremen midfielder Davy Klaassen, is set to return to Ajax. Um Tuba Molting apparently will sign a two year deal at Bayern Munich, which he's got one of the best agents. So we'll see what happens in relation to the transfer business people. But it's been a lovely podcast. We've spoken about the craziness of the Premier League. We've spoken about some couple other matters. And yeah, man, if you haven't had enough considering this deadline day, make sure you check out my YouTube channel. We've got a whole bunch of content. We're going to have a whole bunch of content on it. You know, make sure you support that. If you're finding just out about this podcast, make sure you're following across all socials. Make sure you hit this follow button on Spotify. I don't know how it works on Apple Music and the rest, but I'm sure you guys do too. It's been a fantastic 50 minutes. I apologize for anything that's disrupted your viewing experience or your listening experience. I hope I've given you something quality to, to think about or just to listen to you in these 50 minutes until we meet again people dg i'm out god bless